With everything I do, there is an aspect of representation. And as an artist, that's a kind of a hard pill to swallow. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, Editor-in-Chief of InStyle Magazine. And each week, I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. I've loved, no, no, nay, we've loved Aquafina, a.k.a. Nora Lum, from the first time we saw her, heard her, or encountered her. She is a natural, natural performer. Nora Lum. Yes. A.k.a. Aquafina, a.k.a. Renaissance woman extraordinaire. Welcome to Ladies First, buddy. Thank you. So happy to be here. Well, look, I want to talk about this past year and where you're at. And also, I like to distill each woman on Ladies First like you were a fine fragrance. And you know what I think of when I think about you, Nora? Warmth. Warmth. Oh, good. Obviously, humor, all wit, all the stuff that makes you a performer. But I think what registers is... A, an ease and a comfort in everything that you do, bringing something into the real world. And there's nothing, there's nothing cynical in anything you do. Oh. But we're looking at it, it's almost 10 years since my vag. Yeah, it's, it's been 10 years almost. Have you watched your vag, my vag lately? <laughs> um, I can't get that great of an angle, <laughs> but I, I have to get into a kind of a legs akimbo <laughs> kind of situation and, you know. Like even the camera shits out. But no, I, I think for anyone, it's, it's hard to watch like your early stuff. You know, when you could definitely like read on your face, like all the things that you were insecure about and all the things that I think at the time that you were worried about, you know? So it's like, it, it, it's a weird thing for me. So I, I don't think I've watched it recently. What things that you've done in the past few years are you comfortable watching versus ones you're not? Or do you obviously probably don't make a habit of watching yourself all day, but... I think performances where you felt insecure or you felt just kind of like not not there yet, I think those are the hardest performances to watch. And then like there's a farewell. I, it, that's that's a different one. I could watch that movie like over and over again for some reason. I, I don't know. And it's and I don't watch it like I'm in it, which is a weird thing. I watch it for like what it reminded me of, of like when I was in China that whole time. It, you know, it goes back and forth. So how has the past year been for you? I mean, number one, hang on, when did you go to Australia exactly? I, I was there up until March, then I was home from March to July. You've had sort of a strange bifurcated quarantine moment. So you shot the, the Marvel film in two stints then, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You went to Golden Globe, woo, right? And then you go off right after then to shoot this. I think it was not more than two or three days later after how was your mind then? Because that's a conscious, that's a whole conscious cultural shift on how you're seen and your success and the movie you're going to do. Yeah. How'd that feel, bud? Was your brain like scrambled egg? Yeah, I think it was. And I think I, it was a little like, where am I, right, kind of thing. It was a really bifurcated quarantine because I understood what was happening in America and what we were kind of going through. But then I also saw Australia during the peak of quarantine and then also Canada, like Vancouver. But um, I think when I got to Australia, it was kind of humbling almost because you go from like, you know, in LA doing press for basically a year for the farewell and like going to all these places and then it's, it's really exciting and then winning the globe. And then you go to Australia and, uh, you know, it is like very much like back to work, but then also all of that kind of excitement. It's not really all there. Australia has its own kind of thing going on, you know? So that was different, but, but good because it was like a grounding period of like back to work. Oh yeah. You're back here now. (laughs) I was talking to Melissa McCarthy and she, both you lucky bitches, 
were in Australia (laughs) for a good chunk of the year. And you can imagine my emotions. But she was saying, um, oh, yeah, you go to like the, the, go to Woolies, go to the supermarket. Oh, you go to Woolies? Yeah, you go to Coles. Go to Coles. And she'll be like, people just will talk to me about like soup. Just like, just, she's like, everybody there's so chatty. And I was like, well, do they know who you are? She said, some, some, but like, how is it with you? But when you got down there, um, how recognized were you? What were your interactions like? I loved Australia. I love Sydney. I think, I think, I think what maybe what Melissa McCarthy is describing is like that they're, that they're friendly, you know, and, and like, you know, they will talk to you and stuff like that. But I was recognized a couple times, like when I'd go to the Westfield by like kind of like younger Asian Australian kids would, would recognize me a lot. But then like other people, it's like, I, I don't think I could even really, uh, yeah, I, they, they had no, like they, they were just like, why? Why, who are, like, what, like, what, what are you, like, why? It's, it's important that people just come up to you and just go, why? Yeah, just like, why, you know? So the whole year, again, and so you're doing three different places, picking up two bits of a film. Obviously, it's good to work during this time, because it's a very isolating time. But how were, how, what were your sort of ups and downs of that? Like, when you weren't working, did you sink a little bit, or were you productive, or... Walk me through, like, Marvel to sitting in a room to Marvel to Nora from Queens, like, you know, and then quarantining all that time. For me, it was like an introspective look into what really matters in my life, because no matter what, we were all affected, like whether or not we, we were working throughout. I mean, this was something that kind of affected us globally. And I, I really w- was worried about my grandma a, a lot of times and my family in the States while I was away in kind of a country that was more or less back to normal by the time I left. I really started to like measure what was important in my life. What the things that like maybe I started to sweat a little bit over, you know, stupid things, you know? And then when you realize that at the end of the day, that stuff doesn't matter. I think that was a big thing for me. And, and I felt really lucky that I was able to work because I knew a lot of people that, that weren't, you know, a lot of people that I worked with. And so that, that was another thing. Like I, I just wanted to, the, I want the industry just to continue to go back to normal. You know, I don't, yeah, yeah, it's it's a very good, it's an interesting sort of, I keep calling it a, a distiller, you know, mm-hmm. distillery mm-hmm. Yeah. also, which yeah. most people have at home these days. But like, because <laughs> you know, it's all these rituals that go along with our careers and especially you again, having come off a massive one, all these rituals and behaviors and obligations and all that stuff that you've got to like pinball around. Yeah, for sure. And then when you stop, yeah, were you like for uh, for a minute like oh what do I do now like twitchy, or just like oh okay, you know I I think that twitchy feeling for me it saturates a little differently where it's like kind of a big void of gray, and then kind of a slink into like a kind of an, a place of anxiety and depression, but you don't understand what it's caused by and it is that interruption of of the speed. Yeah. And then I also think that you can go through that in periods when you're working too. Cause I think that that's kind of what, what went on. The other day I came in here, did a podcast, went and got my hair done and I went home and I, cause I had, cause I talked to like 15 different people. I, was, I felt like I had adrenal failure because we're not used to that anymore. You know, like what is it like with you as, as a performer as well, have it like you're going on these big sets and then into this kind of isolated thing. Do you have to consciously rev yourself up or are you just like, all right, let's go. I don't think I've ever really had to rev up that much. I could never even imagine acting when I was younger, but the second it became serious and like, if you didn't do it, then you'd be wasting all these people's time. That's when like I could rev up on the spot. But yeah, the only time I think I've seen 
some like a lot of people at once, like when I was working and stuff, I think that, that it, it is a little jarring. You forget how what it's like to be like really social, you know? Over a couple of years, we'll be back to that. But what, what are you the most confident in as a performer and what, do you, what makes you nervy? As an actress, as long as I know the lines. Because that's the only thing that I can't bullshit or, or cover up with improv or, or I need to know the lines. So it's like not doing your homework kind of thing. But what, what makes me, I think, nervy, it's every take is nervy because sometimes when you do a good take, you're like, that was a sick take. Like I killed that. But no one else seems to think that around you. <laughs> and then like, and then you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, what what's good. I don't know what's good or bad. I don't, I don't know the scale that they're thinking. I don't know. So, so I think that that always, always makes you nervy. But what makes me nervy right now is like a place that I would get to that I would never be nervy. And then I would do the, the things that makes me nervy. Right. I get that, yeah, that when nervy eats itself. Yeah, when you just start gliding and don't ever have really invest anymore. You're shooting the, the Nora from Queens right now, right? Yeah. What's it like being a boss lady? Oh, man. Well, I mean, it's cool that I'm able to, uh, to see what's kind of behind the curtain, but I think um, I definitely don't feel like I am because I feel like I'm surrounded by people who are very much in charge of what they're doing. And I think that part of being executive producer on anything is like, you have to trust the people around you because then that's when you can drive yourself crazy where you're like micromanaging. You can't micromanage like the art department. You know what I mean? Like they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Right. So I, I just am really happy that I'm surrounded by professionals that, that understand. And you know, sometimes I feel like I'm shadowing the whole experience because I'm, I'm, I want to learn as much as I can right now, you know? The word executive always makes me laugh. Like when you Why? first, well, just because it's like, it's like, I'm an executive. <laughs> you know, like being an executive producer, when you first were like, yeah. how's it feel? How's it feel? Do you think you have to wear a, 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 a jacket with a firm shoulder? No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels cool. But whenever, it's funny you said that. Every time I think of the word executive, I think about this room that I stayed in the days in in Montreal. It was called the executive suite. Sweet. Yeah. And, yeah, and it, I just remember ha- having this big table, and I was like, why do executives need a table? Executives need a big table and a business center. Yeah, they always need a business center with an R-E. It's always a C-E-N-T-R-E. Yeah. yeah, and there's always like a, you know, like a kind of a shitty printer. Yeah, have you ever used a business center? That's not a center yeah. of business. It, it's, it smells more like a porno center. I think people were using more as a porno center. But yeah, I feel like uh, it's it's not, it's business is the last thing I think people are doing yeah. in a hotel business that, center. That, that printer's seen <laughs> some shit. <laughs> the printer's like, can you, can you just move me to another room? Do I have to be in the business center? <laughs> Someone get some Windex. Um, <laughs> so, I need some, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How, okay, speaking of, so how ambitious are you? For my whole life, I convinced myself that I was not ambitious and that I I didn't have any, because I wasn't confronted with the things that I would eventually become ambitious for. I wasn't ambitious for school. I wasn't ambitious for competitive schooling, you know, like what, you know, the SATs. I wasn't ambitious for those. I wasn't ambitious for gym, freshman through senior year. I wasn't ambitious for anything. I battled with imposter syndrome, especially early on in my career. And like, this is the first year where like, I'm really starting to confront that in a real way and in, in that 
I, I know that I work hard. I know, I know that I do. That's the only thing that I do know. I don't even know, if, I don't know for sure that I'm good at what I'm doing, but, but I know for sure that I work hard, really right. hard. So like, if anything, at this point in my career, like I will say that, yes, I am ambitious there. I'll always be hungry. I'll always want more. And it's kind of nice. Isn't that funny? Because like for you to, I think that you are, I think a lot of people would agree with me, one of the more innately skilled actors, performers out there right now that you, we can just just tell that you always had it in you. And so for you to go, I feel like an imposter, isn't that just so ironic? I, I guess, I guess. Thank you. Thank you. No, but it, for you to start with like, you know, you're working at a, a publisher and you make this music video and, and you were just doing your stuff and then you did your your gigs and you just incrementally, that all, that whole has a very fluid path to it. But it is hard. I mean, when you have to look sort of inside and outside of yourself. <laughs> that's, that's a, yeah, that's a part of it. But you don't learn from your successes. You know what I mean? You just don't. You're going to do the Netflix show with Sandra. Uh, when's that? Yeah. When's that happening? Oh man, I, we're figuring it out right now, but it's, it's definitely going to happen for sure. But I, I don't know when I, yeah. Yeah. You'll be the first to know. Would you? Yeah. Thank <laughs> yes, you so much. For but sure. Who, what, where, where's the, the division of your name happening is that still aquafina and sandra oh, oh. yeah a, you're like the rock <laughs> i don't know about that the rock is very good cool. <laughs> when does the rock become Dwayne? your marketable name well your big name you know is aquafina but then how conscious well of course nora from queens is about is loosely based on on your life so it has to be your name but speaking of the bifurcation here's your theme of the day Um, how are you steering between the two right now it it is very complicated and i think it's a conversation that deals with like how I kind of internalize Aquafina and how and who how she affects like my own sense of identity, which has nothing to do with like the kind of the business or or the or the you know like what should we credit her as that has nothing to to do with that. But then at the same time, it it does if it may, if that makes sense. My my whole relationship with Aquafina is 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 different than I think what people initially think, which is that she represents like the kind of the funner version of you. So it's like Nora's the quiet one, and then Aquafina's like the crazy one, and that's a good way to explain it. But it's it's not necessarily all of it. When I think about Aquafina, I think about me being at a time in my life where I was chasing creative pursuits, and I thought of a name that was completely like found in my own head, you know, from the spelling to like what, what it meant. And so when I see that name, like on chairbacks or like coming up in credits, it kind of reminds me of like that 15 year old that was like searching for something else, you know, and that's a name that, you know, Nora is the name that was given to me and, and Aquafina is a name I kind of chose for my own. So I think that's where that, that split is. But I also think that you kind of have to grow into the Dwayne Johnson or that kind of thing, because you have to put in your dues. You have to make like, like the rock at this point, you know, people will know him as the rock or Dwayne Johnson's. But for me, if you put out a movie starring Nora Lum, you know, people might not know who that is. So then what does that mean? It just keeps going in, in different layers for sure. But I, and you, and you and the rock are often confused physically. So I mean, it's a double, <laughs> exactly. there's another layer to that. <laughs> Tell me about a time when you first really owned your shit professionally? Like when you really had ownership and was like, all right, this is, Mm. this is how I do it. I think one of the first times I felt, I think in acting, it was probably one of my first scenes with, with, with John Chu and Crazy Rich Asians where like, I had come off of a, of a of a really awesome filming experience, Ocean's Eight, with like mm-hmm. all those amazing Losers. women, which was yeah. 
horrible. Loser um, fest. Yes, yeah, so yeah. sad. So sad. That's what, what we were going to call it. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was an amazing experience, but I felt like I was definitely uncomfortable in my skin not at anyone else's fault. It was just at the way that where I was in my career at that time. But then with, when Crazy Rich Asians came out, it was, I think that I, I, I was able to kind of uh, explore and do some things that I had really felt uh, scared to do previously. And, and then seeing that it was kind of received in a way that encouraged me to do more, that was when I first felt wow, like, like it's cool that like I, I can do this and it's like being seen on the other side and it's being encouraged. Welcome back to Ladies First with me, Laura Brown. This week I'm chatting with the glorious Nora Lum, aka Aquafina. It's kind of like the rock and Dwayne Johnson. Now, Nora from Queens, how much are you still obviously mining your early life, but how much of your life now are you mining for drama sake or something else you want to do uh, going forward? Do you write notes? Do you do you like are you a big scribbler? Are you no? I'm not. I mean, sometimes if I think about a, of a joke, I'll write it, but then I won't remember where that where I wrote it, and I'll throw it away or something. But I think a big thing in like like writing the show is is every year and every month that passes by, I'm more and more disconnected from that time when I was really struggling in New York City at, at that specific time, and being back in New York, it always kind of helps you know, revive it a little bit. But I think that, that the overall theme of it is that I, I think that Nora and me, and, the, and me, Nora, is like, we're, we're all still trying to figure out what gives us that sense of self rather than like what is prescribed to us, you know? And I think in the early beginning, it was get a, get a good job, make, make good money, you know, do that thing, make your parents happy, which I still want to do, but I want to do my thing too. I think a lot, a lot of people look at you and think, if only she'd get a good job. <laughs> Exactly, yes. Just <laughs> wasting your time and wasting ours. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Speaking <laughs> of a good job, is that vegan bodega you used to work at, is that still there? Yeah, I just visited it the, last week. Do they have a picture of you like in those pizza places with the celebrities in the back? No, no. <laughs> they, have, they have my sticker up in the front still. That's cute. What do you get from the vegan bodega? All kinds of kombuchas that you you can do a a shake. Are you vegan, by the way? I'm not. I'm not a vegan. Are you? Are you vegan? I'm a farmer's daughter, baby. There's no veganism. I would be flung from the family. I've tried. I tried raw vegan. I've tried it for like 47 minutes. I've tried one meal of raw vegan. It's not. It's not good on the tongue. It's not raw vegan. Well, well, no. I'm just saying kale, all that stuff in the stomach is sometimes doesn't end well. Speaking of Ruffage, who have you encountered, actor-wise or talent-wise, who you've either met or worked with that you've gone, ah, oh, that's that. When I was eight years old, I never could have conceived that I would have met this person. All of the cast of Ocean's Eight. I mean, I think that was for sure. I think my life is a constant thing of that, like meeting like Alice and Janney, who I just did, like did a movie with, and Wanda Sykes, who I like, I, I was able to do a bunch of. These are all women that I, I have definitely worshipped growing up. One woman also that I was a big fan of that I was able to work with was Ellen Barkin. I was. Oh yeah, she's something else. She's yeah. something else, and she's and she's a Queens girl, you know, and and 
I, I haven't really met a lot of people where it's like, don't meet your heroes kind of thing. I think uh, like the majority of women that I've met, they've, they've fulfilled that and more. And for you, because again, I mean, you were the first Asian American who ever won a glo- an acting globe, correct? It was the first Asian American win to win a lead act in best comedy or musical. Yeah. So then no doubt you're a, a precedent setter, hopefully. And, uh, and do you, how, how representative do you feel you have to be or is how representative do you think people want you to be that's always a conundrum when when it comes to uh that question and i have this joke that i've I've told so many times it's like if i was on my deathbed and i was like i don't want to represent them i would still be representing them in that moment you know what i mean because that's that's what that's like what it is with everything that i do with everything I do, there is an aspect of representation. And as an artist, that's a kind of a hard pill to swallow because sure, everything great that happens to me can be celebrated. But what about all the bad things that I do? Like I'm human, you know? But I also think I've come to a, a pretty good place where I know that um, I'm comfortable with that responsibility of knowing that. And I think that if I signed up for this, at, at the very least, I can I can accept that responsibility and what comes with it, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because you're obviously un- unusual because of your talent and for how you've been rewarded, but I'm sure you want to be less unusual when it comes to others being rewarded and recognized. But I know it is crazy. It's like, okay, I guess it's me. You and Sandra, <laughs> you and Sandra rolling up your sleeves and your bandanas oh, every day. <laughs> you know, that news was, was like, it's kind of bittersweet. You know, it's cool to, it's, it's cool to be the first, but it's also like in that context, it's like, I just hope that there's always going to be more, you know? Yeah, you're like, that's cool, but how am I the first? Tell me, um, did you meet Lucy Liu in the end? Yeah, I did. She was one of my actual comedy heroes. And I remember talk, asking my grandma and being like, Grandma, do you think I'll ever be able to meet Lucy Liu when I was a kid? I Like, really? So then when I finally met her, I think she's just really cool. It was a very warm meeting where, like, we were able to just kind of, like, talk about stuff and, and there wasn't a lot of, like, nervousness. She made it go away, so that's nice. She sent me to an acupuncturist before. She's always the one to go, like, I've got a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like acupuncture? I mean, occasionally. I just think, yeah. But she's she's the sort of person that if she says this is an idea, you go yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lucy Liu. Yes. Let's I'll Lucy do Liu. Yes. I'll do anything. anything. I'll do anything you say. So tell me about that. What's happening with any music stuff? Is that any of that bubbling, or how is this whole like melange of what's that? What's that? Glo- what are those globes in the bedroom that the go blah 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 blah? The Himalayan salt lamp. Oh, that's, 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 no, that's precise. Stays, that stays lava similar. lamp, lava stays, lamp. Oh, oh, a lava lamp. <clears throat> I just thought of your brain like a lava lamp. So go with me. So what's at the top of the lava lamp? What's, what's, where does the music fit in and where's music fitting in, in the, in the blob of your brain right now? Making music for me is like very therapeutic. It's like, I do that every, almost every day, every night I come home and I'll, you know, open one of my programs and I'll just do that all night. That's, that was how I got into it. So I don't have anything concrete coming up for me when I'm paying attention to something, I have to give it my all. So like right now, there's like really not a lot of room for it. So I I think that, you know, it'll always exist in my life. I just have to figure out. Yeah. I think this should be my badge. What happened? People want to know. I'm going to, my next thing is going to be called my badge. What happened? Hmm. My veg, yeah. <laughs> my veg, colon. Oh dear, my veg, colon. <laughs> colon. <laughs> my veg, colon. Oh man. What is an ideal day for you? Like, where if you really just had your druthers all day, what would you do? My ideal day is waking up, 
without feeling too upset that I w- woken up. Like at a time where I feel like I'm not being cheated of sleep by anyone. Right. So it's like waking up and feel like, mm. and then, you know, having time to like have a nice breakfast, like wait for it to come. Yeah, exactly. Someone brings it to you. Like the seamless comes and it's yeah. not like 50 to 75 minutes and it comes and then I'm able to have my, my coffee and I can sit and then, and then I can watch some TV and really just no stress and like, I don't have to be anywhere, you know? I woke up nice today. You woke up nice because you look real pretty. What What are you watching on TV? So I just signed up for uh, everything that I love about TV, which is like Discovery Plus. It's everything. It's like Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe, which I loved. And then uh, like every 9 Day Fiance, 9 Day Fiance, like Quarantine Tales, 9 Day Fiance, all of it. Before and after, all of it. Happily ever, all of it. But then I started watching um, Bling Empire. Did you get on like the Bridgerton train? Uh, not yet. So like for those, I like to wait. I like to wait. Like I just saw the matrix, you know? So you were like, wow, that bullet came and he just dodged it. What's next for you, Star Wars? <laughs> well, I, I, I have seen, I have seen that, but yeah, no, I think next I might, you know, maybe boogie nights or something. No, yeah. You got to go back through the lexicon. You got to go back. Hang on. What's the, what's your ideal breakfast? Pot- something with potatoes in it like a home fry potato with the with some like little ro- like red peppers and some onions in it like all in the thing. What's your ideal dinner? And like a juicy chicken where like you just pull it and it comes right off and mash and and again working in the potatoes like you could take those home fries from earlier and you can just reskill it on for me. I don't even need you to mash them or I mean, they are an incredible source of potassium. Is that why they call them potato? Because of potassium? I don't know. I just was smug that I knew there was potassium in them, which helps with foot cramps. You ever been driving and then all of a sudden you get a Charlie horse in one foot? Has it ever happened to you and you feel you're going to crash? One, can't drive. Two, I've had a Charlie horse, but only of the thigh. What happened when you got the Charlie horse when driving? You're still here to tell the tale, so that's good. I was on the I-87 driving home from school to my to New York City from Albany, and I had a Charlie horse, and I was like, this is it. <laughs> because then I had to drive with my foot. It was not lit. And then I was like, you know what? I'll use the other foot. Don't use the other <laughs> foot. Don't use that other foot. That other foot does not know what it's doing. It's not a good designated driver. It's not supposed to be there. Oh, you're still here, though. Oh, thank God. Long story short, if you eat more potato, yes, this will happen to you less. Okay, you ready for this? It's called 10 firsts, okay? Okay, first time you knew you were funny. Oh, wow. I, I made, like, an older Asian uncle laugh, and he was so hard to make laugh. Like, I didn't even think he was capable of smiling. Do you remember what you said? I don't think I said anything. I think I, I like, pretended, you know, to, like, t- talk behind someone's back. And he went, he went, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I feel like older men just go, oh, oh. Yeah. You know yeah. <laughs> they laugh more, like, with their diaphragm. Do you still um, do fart jokes, including farts, for your grandma? Um, if, if I can get the timing right, I mean, the you know, the older you get, the more, the harder it is to really channel them, I think. I think when I was like in elementary school, it was really easy. <laughs> it was peak. It was peak. My grandma was like, you know what, Tony? Because you don't do it like you used to. <laughs> How is your grandma anyway? 
She's so good. She's my grandma's really good. Has she had the shot? Uh, not yet. No, not yet. How much have you been, have you been able to see of her? Obviously, you were away a ton, but when you came back, were you like sort of bubbling or did you want to just throw yourself on top of her? I did. I did. I, cause I hadn't seen her in so long, you know, but, but like when I first got here, I, I was like really scared because of that. I did the full quarantine here and then I, I got like, you know, I just got some, I got a lot of tests for which, because I wanted to make double sure. And then also I made sure that like, you know, she was all good too. And then, and then when we saw each other, it was really nice because I haven't seen her in like so long. And all she wants to do is like, so we're going to go to the mall. And it's like, no, we're not, we can't go to the mall. <laughs> Grandma. I'll hang out with you here. How, how proud of you is she? And how, what are her sort of milestones to her? Cause they're always different than the ones for, for you. I'm sure when she thought you'd made it in some way, what were her kind of markings? Well, my vag, she, she always says that that was the best video I've ever made. And she's seen my videos. I put it out, but she's like, mm, not my, not as good. The other day, like, uh, she saw my Super Bowl commercial and she was like, all right, is that it? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I have no more, right? And I'm like, no, just just that one. Um, and she was like, all right, I'm going to sleep. And <laughs> she went to sleep. Okay. First time you knew you wanted to be an entertainer? Maybe I think when junior high school band, we used to play like all the 90s hits that my, my band teacher loved. So we played like Live in La Vida Loca. We played like a Mark Anthony song, Hero. And I remember I ha- I'd have a lot of solos where like, and when you, when you have solos, a man, you stand up. And then like the, you know, the student volunteer shines a light at you. And I remember thinking that that felt really cool. <laughs> so yeah. now you just like, just bring your own <laughs> ring light everywhere. Yeah. Just, I'm exactly. here. I'm here. Yeah. So if you turn off the... <laughs> If you turn off the lights before you go to sleep, do you start crying? Because there's no spotlight. No, I actually do have the one lone spotlight just on me while I sleep, <laughs> you know. It's like everything else is blackened and it's just me, like, sleeping. Okay, first fan experience. I was working at the bodega and I, my second video had just, well, it didn't go viral, but, like, it, it that day it got it got a lot of views and a guy came in, like an older, an older white guy came into the bodega and was like, you Aquafina? And I was like, yes. And then he was like, okay, just, just making sure. And then he left. And then I was like, cool. That was cool. Okay. First music video. What was the first music video you made, like even like less, you know, for, your, for yourself that didn't go out there? My badge. Like that was the first time I had been filmed on a camera. Well, I mean, when I was little, like home, vid- like home videos, whatever, but yeah. What were you doing? You had a job, right? I had a job. I was working at like a publishing company and uh, I called my friend Maya and I was like, Maya, can you come and help me with this video? And she was like, yeah, sure. And she was the legs and she was upset because she was like, you didn't tell me this is what we were doing. And also like, why am I on a board? And we're like, because it's, you know, it's part of the gag. First joke you remember, there's any joke you used to tell as a kid or, or a shtick you had? It was some joke with uh, two kids that get lost in the woods named Shut Up in Trouble. And then a, like a man finds them and he's like, what's your name? And he's like, shut up. And he's like, you looking for trouble? And he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, it still slaps. That slaps hard. And that's, you know what? It's elegant and it's concise. 
Oh, first fashion splurge and most recent. Yeah. Uh, first fashion splurge. I. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I bought a. I bought a Gucci purse in Barcelona. What was the first date you ever went on? My first date was in probably in junior high school. I don't think I went on. A, I don't think I went on dates back then. Maybe to McDonald's. You know, but that, I don't think that's a, a date rather than just going to the, where everyone hung out after school. I love McDonald's. Is that it's, right? It's, no, I love McDonald's. I still, yeah, I, yeah. It's, oh my god! Thank God! So thank God you haven't tur- you haven't turned into one of these ladies that's always on there. You you really think there are people that will never eat McDonald's even when they're like on a yes. road trip? There's a lot of them, and they're smug about it. Like I would never, and I'm like. Bitch, I have like a freaking sausage. You like, don't have to eat it every my day. That's the best. Because you remember when you were little and your parents like brought you to McDonald's and you smelled it. You know what I mean? I used to have birthday parties there. Me too. <gasps> Me too. To this day, they were my best birthday parties. Like, like they were like a hit. You know Did what you I mean? Get the cake, the ice cream cake, all of it with the, with the with the booster seats with all the with the purple guy and the burglar and all that. You remember that? I'm pretty sure the booster seats are up there with the printer in the business center in terms of hygiene. Last question. This is it, sister. First thing you'll do when this goddamn pandemic is over. Oh, man. Uh, go to Korean barbecue with my friends. Karaoke, something like that. Just eat all the meats. Nora, you're really the best. And I, I'm just so glad because I've... We've, you know, we're being friendly, but I've never, it's weird that we're really chatting for the first time on a podcast. But You're so, hilarious. I haven't laughed this hard in like a really long time. Like a, <laughs> it's been a while. You're so appreciated. It's so wonderful to see your success rising and rising and rising from being entirely yourself and creating what you do so legitimately and with such feeling. And to see you show up on a video, on a screen, on a stage at the Golden Globes, it does warm the heart. Thanks, Laura. Yeah, this was so fun. So, yeah, thank you. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Savarese, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Erica Wong. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrown99. Listener.